1: Friends, before we jump into this show today, I wanted to let you know about a couple of things I've got coming up that you can be a part of in real life. First of all, Theology Beer Camp is back October 19th through the 21st in Springfield, Missouri. Go register now and use offer code Kevin Garcia Godpod. Yes, the entire thing, Kevin Garcia Godpod, to save $25 off your registration. It's in 70 days. It's going to be so. Effing fun. I had a ton of fun last year. It's a bunch of live podcast recordings with a bunch of wonderful people, all while drinking some really delicious craft beer. Like, so if beer's your thing or just hanging out with other nerdy people who want to talk about spiritual shit, this could be for you. Other thing I'm going to be doing, I'll be at the QCF, that's the Q Christian Fellowship National Conference, happening in Albuquerque, New Mexico, the first weekend of January. I'm going to be doing a workshop and hopefully doing a little unofficial book release party. So If you want to come, you can go to qchristian.org and get signed up for the conference there. I love you so much. Let's get into the show. You are listening to an Irreverent Media Podcast. Go to irreverent.fm in your web browser to find more dope-ass podcasts like this. Now on to the show. Welcome back to another episode of a tiny revolution a podcast about ordinary folks living revolutionary lives i'm kevin been gone a while you know why because depression can really take it out of you sometimes and i feel like it's lasted the entire length of mercury retrograde um and at the same time i've just been working on myself keeping my head above water you know paying the bills and now i'm at a place where it's just like okay i just got to get this content shit done by any means necessary which is why i'm recording outside on um on my phone using a little podcast mic for a phone um because i just can't sit at home anymore i need to get i need to get out in the world and i'm just you know record here or, or no podcast so i'll just i'll say let's do the podcast right So super glad to be back with you. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your continued support and kindness. A lot of you have reached out and said very nice things. So I love you. I hope you're doing good. Uh, I just want to let you know before we get into today's show, if you want to, I'm going to be at Theology Beer Camp uh, in October. I'd love to see you there. You can go to theologybeer.camp. that, And I'm also probably going to be at the Q Christian Fellowship National Conference in Albuquerque, New Mexico, the first week of January. My best friend Miles is doing um, a keynote, and I just think that's great. And that is the same week that my second book, What Makes You Bloom, uh, practices for cultivating a practice for connecting with your divine self. It's all coming out the same week. So if you want to celebrate with me and do a little like, you know, book release jam fun time adventure, in Albuquerque, um, come to QCF. If you want to, go check out uh, qchristian.org or just search Q Christian Fellowship and I'll see you in Albuquerque. It's the big, by the way, if you don't know what it is, it's the biggest gathering of queer Christians in the world. So if that's your gig and you want to be surrounded by some really wonderful people, I'd love to see you there. Okay, enough talking, let's get into today's guest. This is somebody who like, if I'm being real, real honest, I have just admired for so long. And then she reached out to me to ask if she could come on my podcast to talk about her new book. And I was like, oh, what? You're, you're Dr. Shaniqua Walker-Barnes, Are you kidding me? The, the Dr. Shaniqua? Um, if you don't know who she is, what's wrong with you? But two, if you don't know who she is, she's a highly esteemed scholar, theologian, clinical psychologist, and her work focuses on healing the legacies of racial and gender oppression. She's a professor of practical theology, woo woo, at Columbia Theological Seminary where I win, yas. And Dr. Shaniqua is the author of Sacred Self-Care, I Bring the Voices of My People and Too Heavy a Yoke*. With her compelling insights and thought-provoking work, she has emerged as a leading voice in the pursuit of social change and healing in the Christian church. Um, We talk a lot about her new book and we also talk a lot about like, what it is to create practices that actually work. We also critique the, um, the system of seminary a little bit and talk about how seminaries often don't teach people spiritual practices, but rather how to run an organization. Really, really fun conversation. So if, uh, if you like my stuff, you're gonna love her stuff. So go pick up all of her books. Um, again, the book is called Sacred Self-Care. It's available everywhere now. And yeah, I think that's gonna be it. Um, grab yourself something to drink, cozy up with something nice, and let's get into my conversation with Dr. Shaniqua Walker-Barnes.
0: Yeah, it is good to talk with you. I don't know if we've ever talked live. I don't think we have. Yeah.
1: We've been in each other's orbit, though. We've been floating around the same orbit for a little bit, so. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so yeah.
1: Well, hi, welcome to A Tiny Revolution, everybody. This is Dr. Shaniqua. Uh, is it Barnes Walker or Walker Barnes? Walker Barnes, yeah, but you uh, can just so... call me Shaniqua. Hey, Shaniqua. <laughs> um, among other things, Shaniqua is a, the- a theology professor, a writer, um, curator of self care, so many good things, and we're going to be talking about mm-hmm. her new work today. But before we get into that, how do you introduce yourself to people these days when they come up and say, hey, what's what's your deal? You
0: know, really? You? Um, hi, I'm Shaniqua. I'm the child of Wakuta and Huali. I am the grandchild of Jacob and Marion and Gwendolyn and Joseph. Right. Um, I'm a Grady baby, um, Atlanta born and raised. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a mom and I'm just trying to survive the siege of white christian nationalism
1: (laughs) when i tell you (laughs) every morning i wake up i'm just like do is it time to flee now right do do i need to i've got a i got a i got a girlfriend in in in, uh in mexico city who said if you need somewhere you know so
0: yeah (laughs) i keep i'm and you know i'm telling my child um who is in this french Immersion program. I'm like, yeah, I need you to learn another language. <laughs>
2: mm.
0: <laughs> I need you to prepare to get out of here, <laughs> right?
1: Because <laughs> it's it is, you know, to be frank, fucking scary it these is. days. It's getting worse and worse, and it's like, I'm like, hey, like, who the? F-, pardon my French, but who the fuck would think that hate crimes would be on the rise again?
0: Right. Yes, yeah. Yeah, who I mean, who imagined that this would be our existence? Of all the ways that we thought that twenty sixteen election and what it unleashed, mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody ever anticipated this. And and every time you think we think we've seen the worst, something else happens, right? Yeah, like, yeah.
1: And yeah, yeah. So how? Did, so where I, among other things, like I what I do in my work is I teach people how to create uh spiritual practices for self care. And that's precisely what you've got going on with your new book, which is called sacred self care daily practicing daily practices for nurturing our whole selves.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, I'm excited. I mean, just like I've loved your work for a while. I think like everything um, mostly because like, I think my first one for you is that I read for yours is too heavy a yoke. And that was like my first introduction to like, uh like womanist scholarship okay um and just kind of like some of the ways that you you're like such i think you're just a dope presence in the world and i I geek out over like theologians (laughs) and people of that nature so um how's this book sacred self-care different from other books that you've written before
0: it is Well, for one, it was not written primarily for an academic audience, right? Um, Mm -hmm. The others definitely were, even though I also tried to write them in ways that were um, accessible. Um, But this one, I really got out of that. And I really came primarily not from um, research, you know, but it was a lot of real life experience and -hmm. coming from my own story and my own way that I think God is moving in my life and in, in the world. Um, Mm -hmm. so that was, that was very different. There aren't a whole lot of footnotes in, in this one. Right. Um, but I think it is also, it is, it is an outgrowth of the lived experience of my other two books. Right. Um, Mm. so in some ways this could be a part two of either of those books. Right. Um, which is, you know, in. Too heavy a yoke. I talk about this myth of the strong black woman and I encourage self care as a way of healing ourselves of, of that myth and that trope. This, I think, operationalizes self care. Right? Mm. It's okay. So now, now this is what self care looks like. Um, yeah. And similarly, for my second book, I bring the voices of my people, which is about racial reconciliation. Um, some of that book talks about the stress of doing this work. And so, again, mm. this is how do I sustain myself for this work of racial justice, right, for the work of being a disruptor in Christian spaces, in academic spaces? How do I keep myself going in the midst of that? So I think this is like, yeah, it's it's the continuing story.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's exciting. And I love that because I think a lot of, especially, you know, I I finished up my seminary journey and what I noticed is that seminary did not teach me about having a spiritual practice or having a self-care practice at all. And I think it kind of like, it didn't teach the opposite, but like it just put like such a burden on the academic side of things that like I understood theories about God better than I understood of my relationship to God yeah, and it was on my own that I had to like pull these things together. Cause a lot of folks, like, especially even on church on Sundays is like, we teach about theories. Right. We, we rarely teach about like, how do I have a relationship with this thing that I call God?
0: Right. We'll teach doctrine. We'll teach you um, what you're supposed to think about scripture. Right. right. <laughs> but we won't teach you how to develop, like, what are the practices? for developing your own authentic spiritual identity, mm. right? Um, yeah, and it's, it's so bizarre that seminaries have become like that. A lot of seminaries, um, my own seminary, we had one required spiritual formation class when mm. we first entered. It was the only spiritual formation class that was available to us.
1: Interesting. And
0: most of the places I've worked, the other seminaries I've worked at has, have been very similar. That one mm. intro class, and then it's kind of like, and now you're done. Um, and so, yeah, this this also comes out of my own sense that students needed something more, mm-hmm. um, that I needed something more.
1: Yeah. That's that's really, I think, like the the crux of a lot of the best work is just like, I needed this. Right. Um, <laughs> right? And, and learning. <laughs> um, when you're working with... Um, with your students, like what is like the thing you notice that they're that they're missing that that I don't know, like maybe like this book that like, comes in st- I don't know if you're like aiming this at seminary students or if you're aiming this at just everybody. Well, you said everybody. Yeah, everybody. Yeah. yeah. Um, what's the um how's this book set up? Is it set up just as far as like a a devotional thing, or is it more just like this is how I've crafted my practice for myself.
0: It's a little bit of both. Um, This is really, I think, it's sort of a practical theology of self-care just written in a devotional format. Nice. And the devotional format part is less of a theological decision. (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm. And it
0: is a practical one, right? So I'm a clinical psychologist by training. And so I think about it in terms of how do we encourage behavior change mm-hmm. well you do it one step at a time right? Right. you take one small practice you develop some um, some success at that and then you build and mm-hmm. so for me this was less about it's more like an educational or pedagogical strategy right let me yeah. break this down into these separate parts and get you to try something little and then the next day something different right and then mm-hmm. over time you're building. On on what you've got, rather than me overwhelming you with this great ideal about what self care is, in which we know what people will do is they'll give up, right? If it's too mm-hmm. hard, too complicated. So really, yeah. it was about how do I get people to change?
2: Hmm.
1: Ooh, I can't wait! <laughs> I can't wait to dig into this, because that's also like what I'm when I'm working with my people too. Is like people who want to build practices for resilience, and there's this interesting thing I note where like. If we don't, A, if we do the thing and we don't get the result the exact way we think that we should get the result, failure, I don't want to do it anymore. And people also think that their practice has to be this big, elaborate, you know, on Mondays I do this and I, you know, I meditate and I, you know, I get a facial once a week or I go somewhere twice a week. And it's like, if you got a minute a day, you could start changing your life. If you got five minutes a day, even better.
0: Yes. it's exactly. so simple. It's very so simple. simple. Yeah. Very simple. Right. You know. So, yeah. Part of that is, you know, what I in, in clinical psychology, I learned to anticipate the resistance.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. So that if you're trying to get people to change behavior, we're all going to resist. Right. Because change is difficult. It's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Right. And so part of it, too, is where might this go wrong? Help mm-hmm. set people up for that. Right. Help them to see. And it's not going to be perfect and you might not do it at all. And that's okay. Right. Yeah. Um, to, to let people know that in the reality, in our lived experience, we don't get perfection, right? We're just aiming for good enough.
1: Mm -hmm. That's what I tell people too, that like there's how often should I meditate? And it's like, I mean, like your worth is not determined by how long you can meditate. Um, Your goodness is not up for debate here. It's just like, what do you want to feel? How do you want to feel? And my teacher always says, well, how often should you brush your teeth?
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah. I had a teacher once who um, told me that he he meditated every day for like, it was was like over 10 years or something. Mm -hmm. And I said to him, I'm like, how is that even possible? How do you meditate every day? And he says, oh, it's simple. If I'm sitting there and I realize, huh. I haven't meditated today. It says I sit there
2: mm-hmm. and I'm
0: like, okay, I did it. He was <laughs> <laughs> no, like that's set the bar low.
1: <laughs> I'm exactly, I'm right there. I like the one, one of my practices that I keep for myself is like, I have a, um, a bell that rings on my phone, uh, on the hour. Okay. And so I hear a little bell. It's, it's, I borrow it from the Thich Nhat Hanh's practice where every hour they have like the bell mm-hmm. in Plum Village yep. and everybody stops and pauses and yep. breathes. Yep. And I keep that practice for myself, where it's just like, if I realize that that day I haven't meditated, didn't do my practice, I'll stop stop. right there. Or, or if I'm driving, I just, you know, that one deep breath in. Yeah. And like, if like, if you can't give yourself anything else, can you give yourself sixty seconds? And people are fooled into thinking that they don't have time or can't. It's weird.
0: It is weird. It is. Yeah. We set such heavy burdens for ourselves. Like there's a way in which self-care can be very burdensome. Hmm. And I have at times fallen victim to that. Right. I set up my ideal of what should be done. And then because I'm a perfectionist. Right. I think Hmm. anything short of that ideal is failure as opposed to celebrating every single success no matter how little it is right celebrating not even success just mm-hmm. effort just the fact that i had the intention to do that for myself is amazing yes right?
1: it's <laughs> like i'm just like you got to look it's like that's changed behavior yes that's proof that you can change yeah Yeah. and your ego is going to be just like well it was like one time i'm just like well then do it two times right and then, yeah. and then do it three times
0: right yeah
1: <laughs> um question for you this is like a psychology question that's a little bit of like a departure and I don't know if you even know the answer um it's about imagination and trauma a little Mm -hmm. bit so what I know when I'm working with my students and I'm teaching meditative practices fun technique good technique to use visualization um and I've uh you know I'll say like I want you to think about like you know whoever's coming up right now, your younger self, whatever thoughts coming up. And usually we'll say it's like five-year-old self, seven-year-old self, six-year-old self, 17-year-old self. And some people have so much trouble with just picturing a younger version of themselves because either like they've been cut off from that or it was super traumatic. And so like, it's really hard for them to access that part. And I was talking with a friend of mine or a client of mine and I was like, oh, this is like, it's like, well, how do I know if like, this is real. Like I can, you know, quote unquote, see myself, but just like, it's almost like people don't take it seriously. Like that's not real. Me picturing myself in my head is not real. Yeah. Only this feeling I have in my body. When you're working with folks who have trouble accessing those parts of their imagination or their inner world, how do you help them find safety within themselves? to begin moving in there. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it does. It does. You know, there's a lot um, developing now in the world of meditation and mindfulness and trauma because for years, people didn't believe it was real, right? And teachers Mm -hmm. would sort of um, encourage, shame people into pushing through. And and now we've realized, and there's good research showing, oh, people can actually be um, traumatized by Mm -hmm. meditation when that happens, right? Um, One of the things that I try to do is to always encourage people's agency, Mm -hmm. right? And their ability to adapt practice however is helpful for them,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: right? So it's constantly being aware of your own limits. So does this not feel right for me? Is this too much? Sometimes people get to hard things and they decide, no, I think I want to stick with this. I think I, I can do this, right? And so if that's that's what you decide, that's fine, right? But if you get to something and you feel really uncomfortable, often the, the experience of closing your eyes in meditation mm-hmm. triggers a lot of people's trauma, um, especially if, if it's been um, a childhood abuse um, in, in any way that often triggers it. And so mm-hmm. then maybe you keep your eyes open, right? Or right. Maybe you have to stop and ground yourself during the practice. But I, you know, in teaching meditation, I always encourage people to do what's right for you. I'm going to give you mm-hmm. what are some some guidelines and practices that work for a lot of people, but that doesn't mean it's going to work for you. And you have the power to make the practice yours, right? Because mm-hmm. that's what trauma does is it disempowers us.
2: Mm-hmm. right
0: and so we don't want to we don't want to um, reinforce that sense of of a lack of power through our teaching so it becomes right. what what feels right for you right now and mm-hmm. maybe eventually people will get to where they can do the whole practice where they begin to feel more safety in their bodies right but mm-hmm. then maybe that will never resonate with them
1: yeah yeah and then maybe you need a different form of practice of like practice. maybe yeah. um I know for me, like if I'm if I'm sitting on the mat and I'm just not feeling it or whatever it is, sometimes it's a it's a, like I need to go take my body on a walk. Yep. Sometimes I gotta shake my ass in the living room to yes. renaissance because
0: 'tis the season. Ah, it is the season. Right. <laughs> right. Sometimes we need a different and I think the the you know, one of the things I try to teach people is like expose them to a range of practices because at any given time what we're able to do. Like, there's some days I cannot sit on my cushion to save Mm -hmm. my life. Like, it's just like, it's not happening today.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It's just like, I can't. It's like, for whatever freaking reason, I can't get off the couch to go 10 feet over to the other side of the room and sit down and talk to God. I just can't do it.
0: I can't do it. So then can I just stay on the couch and spend a minute right here? Can Mm -hmm. I do that? Right? Like, or yeah, can I? Maybe I should walk, or maybe I need yoga, or maybe, right, it's, maybe it's something different. And I think the more tools we have, the more we're able to just see it as, okay, my practice is gonna take a different form today.
1: Yeah, Yeah. and and letting, like, the thing about it is, is I think what people don't recognize is that all the practice really is for is to, like, bring your conscious awareness into every single moment. So you're, like, just intentionally, for this time that you're doing your practice, consciously being aware of what's going on with your emotions in your body, your emotions in your body and what's physically happening on your person, in your person. And then to take that awareness and that compassion, hopefully, that you're feeling on the mat into when you're depressed on the couch and you can't get off of it. It's like, you know what? I do remember what compassion feels like.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, or to like to, you know, take your awareness on that walk with you. Yeah. And to be like, I notice my in-breath. I notice my out-breath. Yep. And maybe that's as far as you get. Right. It's like, it, it, I think it's like, I would love to have a mountaintop experience. I would love for the Holy Ghost to come up and slay me, you know, <laughs> and really just like set me set me free. Right. But then it's, it's not always, it usually is not always that dramatic.
0: It really isn't. Most of it is just, can I pay attention to my experience right now? Mm-hmm. And can I offer myself compassion in this moment? And that's it. Yeah.
1: And if I can't, that's fine as well. It's that's, just like yeah. um, and that's hopefully like when you like try to lean on your people. Yeah. If you got them. Yeah. Because I know for me, like that's what I've had to do this week. Like just feeling shitty as shitty can be. And I was just like, hey friends, I'm not doing hot. Right. And um At least for me in church, it was like they were telling us, like, you know, you got to choose joy and do all these other things, and it's like, oh my, and also just like, no such thing as self care because the self was lost within the white evangelical megastructure. Yep. And and a lot of us aren't learning, like relearning that when we leave.
0: Yeah, that is so true. We take those. We tend to take those negative messages with us. We've internalized them and we're not working to uncover them, right? So we, we, we leave the space, but we take the toxic ways mm-hmm. <laughs> with us, right?
1: And even I think sometimes too, like from, at least for me, like I was, when I left those spaces, I was still pretty like hyper-focused on the pain because I didn't have the tools or the community or the experiences yet to say like, I can still build a beautiful life for myself. Yeah. Outside of that. That's yeah. what a lot of, I think a lot of folks like they, I don't know, they, they say like, this is why visibility is important yeah so that other people can like have, they can see that and see, oh, I can go second. I don't have to do this first. Right. Somebody else has done
2: it before.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Or even knowing that the pain is part of the process, right? Like, mm. okay, to recognize, you know, I think sometimes people think they leave these spaces and now I'm free and I found this new thing, but actually you're still in your in the period of pain not even Mm -hmm. necessarily healing you're still in the pain and the grief of loss and navigating what you thought life was going to be like versus what it is right who you thought your people were um the loss of knowing that like those those connections were conditional right Mm -hmm. like there's the i'm leaving but i'm going to carry my friendships and then you realize you're
1: oh (laughs) it's like it's it's we're, you and I are both like <laughs> and tackling now but at the time so it is, sad it it's is, devastating
0: It is devastating to realize that the people who told you they loved you every day are utterly disinterested in you when you are no longer part of, of that space. So there's navigating oh. all of, of that and sometimes we think that the leaving is the healing part and it's oh. not right no. it's, it's a doorway or it can be a doorway. It's the
1: jumping off point.
0: It's just the jumping off point, right? And so then we still have to feel the pain of 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 that and then and just recognizing the pain I feel right now, the anger, the resentment I feel mm-hmm. right now, it's okay. It's part mm-hmm. of the process, it's part of my grieving process. Let me just let me not force that away, but let me just be with it and know that I can survive this or know yeah. when I need to support to survive this, that that's part of the journey too.
1: And in that space, learning to direct the anger and the sorrow outward yeah. and not towards the body or towards the self, I think, yeah. and this is a working theory I have, is that a lot of us um, have like a lot of anger towards our past self for like the things we believed or did or practiced and the ways that we may have caused harm before. And we really have a lot of guilt about yep. our past self. And I wanna look at people and I'm like, do you recognize that you were lied to? Right. Do you recognize that you were fooled, yep. that you were bamboozled, that you had uh, truly like the wool pulled over your eyes?
2: Yeah.
1: And to to look at people and say like, not everything that happened was our fault. Right. I mean, yeah. sure, we opted in at some point because of, of our brainwashing. But if you can recognize that the years that you spent there, I'm just like you were afraid.
2: Yeah.
1: And that's not your fault. Right. That little and that little bit of space that you can give to say, if you're going to be angry, get angry at the at the person who did it. Yeah. Get angry at the church who hurt you. Get yeah. angry at the system that is so pre- uh, prevalent. Yeah. And hurting so many people. Like, like you did not start this. You escaped this. And that's worth celebrating.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Most of us have no choice about our religious indoctrination. Mm -hmm. Right? We are introduced to it by people who themselves were indoctrinated. Right? Like, it goes, like, uh, for many of us, generations deep into Mm -hmm. our indoctrination. Right? So it's not even that anybody was being malevolent. Just a lot of misguided folks <laughs> um, who just keep oh, yeah. replicating the same problematic theology, right? And so, yeah, it's not necessarily their fault. But once you realize I need to be on a different journey, then at that point, it's your responsibility to say, now, what are you going to do for your journey? Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And it doesn't have, like, I mean, it's small and mighty, just do something. It's like... Yeah. <sighs> among other things, go pick up, go, go pick up this book. Um, um, f- what about like for your own personal practice? A, Cause like you are, you know, seminary professor in and like being a teacher, but how do you connect like to your spiritual life through your practices? You got any yeah. daily stuff you do? You got any stuff that you so do? So right daily
0: night? for me is meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, It is meditation and um, yeah, usually it is sitting meditation for me. Sometimes um, it's something that's more embodied or gets me in touch with my body. But yeah, that's actually my day. So I did that this morning. I don't do it every day. I -hmm. struggle every day with whether I have time, right? So that for me does not go away is, well, there are other things I could be doing, should be doing, right? The shoulds pop up a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, It did this morning. Um, But, yeah, for me, it is both exercising um, Mm -hmm. and meditation kind of hand in hand are my day to day practices. But that that grounds me. I've spent so much of my life disconnected from myself. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Being a professor. But before that, being, you know, a good student. Right. Right. Um, You know, I live in my head a lot. And I have learned to ignore my body um, in order to get the work done. Right. I'm, I'm very good at that. I've always been a student. You can make me sit down and I'll sit there for hours and and get the work done. And um, I ignored signals that my body was sending me, that Mm. things were not okay. Right. Um, In the same way we ignore our own spiritual signals. I, I ignored my physical and spiritual signals. Like, yeah, something's not right in this environment. Something's not right with me. And so for me, Um, meditation helps me to focus on Mm
2: -hmm.
0: like oh what's happening in my experience sometimes I might hear the voice of of the holy Mm
2: -hmm.
0: I actually don't look to hear the voice of the holy in in that sense because I personally think that the Holy Spirit doesn't talk to us that often Uh, (laughs) I don't think the Holy Spirit guides us in the way that many Christians do think like you know Right. I need to, the Holy Spirit to tell me what color car to get. I don't know. Like, I don't think the Holy Spirit yeah. cares. Uh. Yeah.
1: It's like, and also just, like, I feel like a lot of people, like when they say, I-, I feel like the Spirit's telling me to tell you something. I'm like, I really need you to test those things. Because for... yes,
2: yeah. you know I, what I'm talking
0: about? Yeah. Sometimes I tell my students, that was just that hot dog you ate yesterday that has nothing to do with the Spirit.
1: Yeah. Ain't got nothing to do with me? God. <laughs>
0: The Holy Ghost. Right. And it's okay, especially, I think, from people from marginalized identities. I get this from women a lot, right? The spirit Mm -hmm. told me or the spirit led me or I was able to do this through the Mm -hmm. spirit. I actually think it is okay to affirm your own goodness and your own capacity and to say, I think, right? Mm -hmm. My experience is telling me. Like, there's so many times we put things on the spirit that really is ourself. But we've been taught that it's bad to have a self. It's bad to have ideas. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, lean not into thy own understanding. Well, then but why everything. did God give us a brain, right? Like God gave us a brain mm-hmm. for reasons, right? And there are other scriptures that tell us to test the spirits. How, how else do we test the spirits?
1: That's my favorite thing to tell people is like, you shouldn't believe anything you hear from anybody. Test everything. Test everything test everything. And I would even say, go as far as like, you know, uh, test, you know, if you're, you know, a Christian or a Jesus person, I'm just like, you should test out some of the shit he said. Like, because like some of y'all, like also sidebar about Jesus. I think it's really interesting that he, we take his, closest disciples the teachings that were closest to the people who were like at the core of it not the everyday kind of person who's right. just like surviving in the empire but we take something like forgive somebody 70 times seven and i'm like that's a high teaching
0: that is yeah a
1: high level student
0: for the 12
1: yes right and I'm like, and
0: or I'm maybe that's 70 or something but yeah that's not that's not what he preached to the masses yeah
1: <laughs> you know he was just like he was like hey y'all need to take care of each other
2: right feed what each what did other
1: you start, what did you start up <laughs> <out> there <laughs> Uh, other story uh, of someone <laughs> hearing from the Holy Ghost. I was uh, this was literally the other day, and I I was we- I was very femme presenting that day. I had like on a blouse, and um, my nails were done, and my hair was like pulled back. Um, and every now- I'll take some calls with my clients at the coffee shop, and you know inevitably someone like here's what I'm talking about. They never hear because I have my headphones in, but I'll say stuff around around spiritual stuff and like learning how to become one's own uh spiritual authority and i'm leaving the coffee shop i'm literally walking out the door someone's leaving with me and i don't think anything of it and she said hey i was just couldn't help but overhearing but you know what do you do for for work i was like i'm a spiritual coach and i help people uh you know heal from spiritual trauma after leaving high pressure religion and she said well, don't hate me, but like, I'm a Christian. And I'm like, and I realize I'm just no. like, you got your NIV right there. And you've been out, you've been doing your Bible study at the local coffee shop. And you've just been waiting for a moment to witness yep. to the homosexual. Yep. And she said, I just feel like Christ is saying to you, like, I am the way and the truth and the life and no one gets to the Father but through me. And I'm like, oh, that's incredible. I love that verse. Thank you yep. so much. And then I walked away. And cool. I'm just like, what was your point there? What
0: yeah, yeah. What
1: did you what did you hope to happen? I'm just like, I'm not gonna yell at this person yeah. because she's not ready for me to yell at her. Yeah. But like how like,
0: it's ugh. wild to me that we have structured this entire religion mm. in such a hierarchical way where people feel like the only authority comes from what they have heard or read preached to them. Right? Mm. That that God can't possibly speak to and through anybody else and that there is this really rigid path Mm -hmm. that you have to take right and that that our goal our job as christians is then to kind of like shame coerce or maybe with a smile like indoctrinate people into that same Mm -hmm. path yeah it is is the wildest and we call it loving and it's that's the only place where we call that love As parents, that Mm -hmm. is not what we say, right? We call that authoritarian parenting and we know that it is unhealthy as fuck, right? Like, Mm -hmm. why are we saying the church needs to model what we know is bad and is not good leadership, right? In leadership studies, Mm -hmm. they don't tell you to do like that. In parenting, but somehow in the church, Mm -hmm. this becomes the model. Yeah. It makes no sense. Make sure
1: that you reproach a stranger in public. A
0: stranger. Right. Like it's yeah.
1: <laughs> people are so, you know, the whiteness be wild.
2: Yes. They, they,
1: and the thing is like I can see like rewind to just uh almost eight years exactly. Um so I came out eight years on the ninth of September. Okay. It's my anniversary. Oh yeah. Um but like I can remember those moments where like I felt uncomfortable trying to like talk to jesus about people because that was it was never a free conversation about how the teachings of jesus improved my life it wasn't a talk about how my spiritual practices were giving me insight into how to love people better or myself better it was always hey i i'm just really concerned for your soul
0: yeah
1: i'm really concerned that your behavior i'm like it's always i'm concerned for your behavior
0: Never, yes. and it's always behavior. It's it's always are you following? Are you externally following the rules, or at least looking like you're following the rules? That becomes the guide, as opposed to um, mm-hmm. not even. I mean, even that relationship with Jesus, right? right. Um, that talk the way that people use it is still about: Am I following the rules?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right, and and, and and am I doing the things? that have been proscribed to me by the religious culture, as opposed to, am I deepening my understanding of how God is moving in the world, right? Am I drawing closer to myself and I'm drawing closer to other people? And am I living in ways that are more just and righteous and more concerned about how people are actually doing? Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) What a concept. Yeah. In- interesting or different question too um i noticed that you and i freely and easily just say the word god and when we say god i assume we're not talking about the white male god we're not talking about white jesus we're not talking about uh institutionalized um you know structural bad church
0: yeah
1: bad bad, bad big c church yeah. um um because like when I talk about God, I'm talking about the force which is animating all things. I'm talking yeah. about the same thing that keeps that tree going, the same thing that keeps a single mom of four working two jobs yeah. and raising her kids. Whoever that God is, yeah. that's who I follow. When you talk about God or you imagine God, how do you conceptualize of yeah. the divine?
0: Yeah, because
1: I know it's a big, broad question, but I would love it to
0: hear. Is. You know what, I, I take my answer from The Color Purple, where um, mm. the book, not the movie, but right. the, the book takes the form of letters that Celie is writing to God mm. and telling him, um, and it's a hymn in that case, telling right. him about her life, right? And then at some point, Celie stops writing to God, and she shares this with um, Shug, with her lover. And and she says I don't think there's there's a there's a God right and mm-hmm. and Shug says to her I, I think you've been writing to the the wrong God you you've been writing to some great um, blue blue eyed um, mm-hmm. white haired white man in the sky um, and essentially those people have never been interested in what uh, a black woman in the south has to say right, right? and so and so Shug tells her that's not God. You're, you're, you're writing to, I don't know who you're writing to. You're not writing to God. And, and, Mm and, and, and Celie's like, I don't know what God is anymore. And Shug says, I believe God is one who gets upset. If you walk past the color purple in a field and you don't notice it. Yeah. Hello. somebody. (laughs) So God to me is, um, I was in the smoky mountains last week Mm. and I'm, watching this and saying, God set this up, right? Where this is God, a personified God, universal spirit. God Mm -hmm. set this up just for God's own delight.
2: Mm.
0: It didn't matter if anybody else was around to see it. God was just like, I I can, therefore I shall, right? Mm -hmm. Um, To me, a God who delights in beauty Mm -hmm. and who decides to just make beautiful things. And then sometimes also decides to make things that we're like, that's really ugly. And what purpose does that serve in the mm-hmm. world? Like, why do we need, why do we need snakes? Like, why? And why do we about, need those creepy
1: crawlies? Why, why do, do we, we, need, we need, the need spiders? Those,
0: right? But God's like, cause I can.
1: <laughs> because I am create, because I am.
0: Because I am, right? And so to me, that creative energy and mm-hmm. the whimsy and the, also, sometimes the the not so great, all of that, all mm-hmm. of that is God. It is all, and it is all holy. Yeah. Right. Um, so, yeah, that increasingly, I think I have a very pan-African um, view of, mm-hmm. of, of God, which is not this thing that is separate from mm-hmm. creation, but this thing that flows through yeah. everything and yeah. everyone, right? None of us is separate from God. We just Correct. may not recognize our connection to God. We may not have embodied that mm-hmm. yet, but it's there.
1: Right. Something, of course, in a Miracle says that I just will repeat till the day I die is, you think you have many problems, but you just have one. You believe you are separate from God. Wow. And it's like.
0: That's so good.
1: It is. And it's like, if so you can good. get that one right.
0: That if one. You... Yeah.
1: <sighs> It just, it like it blows my mind and it gives me chills even to think about that. I'm just like, oh, because if I get that, like all of my fears, all, you know, even like, you know, maybe even my depression in some ways, like, cause like if I can remember that, what, it's like, what do you mean I'm one with God? That's yeah, incredible. It is. And it's like all the things, all the beautiful experiences that have happened, all the really hard experiences that have happened, like that, like it, it allows me to like not see God as like this far off angry father yeah. over there who hopefully when I come to the other side will say well done good and faithful servant. Right. Maybe hopefully if I've done enough. Yeah. But this one causes the earth to spin every day yep. and sees fit for me to keep breathing. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay. Right. And that kind of awe that yeah. to me, that's that's the feeling of God or the feeling yeah. of just that wonder that yeah. just I run out of words because I get so excited thinking yeah. about whatever this is, this unspeakable yeah. goodness. And I, I just want that for more people.
0: Right. Yeah. Mm. The enormity of it. You know, I think. A lot of us who break from the church or the tradition we grew up with,
2: mm-hmm. people
0: assume it's because we don't take God seriously enough or we don't take scripture seriously right. enough. I think that is it is often the opposite, that mm-hmm. we are often so in awe, right? Um, Ooh, that yes. we recognize that God is so much bigger <laughs> than what our traditions By, have my. taught us, right? Mm-hmm. And we are we we are just not content to try to um, put God in a, in, in sort of this thimble size of faith, right? We're just, I can't do that. <laughs> I get so much bigger than he. Um, yeah. I can't, I try, I can't try to control this thing. I can't try to structure it with all this doctrine. It is so far bigger than that. And anything we know, it's just a tiny amount of it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And being
1: able to just <sighs> to not be like, it's, and that is kind of like what what the lifelong spiritual or spiritual studentship yeah. is. It's like, I don't like, it's like God is endless. Yep. And if I, if like, the, if that means the pursuit of God is also endless, which endless. also means like I'm a part of that endlessness and it's like, I can keep going. I can go deeper. I can yep. always go. Like there's always more. There's yep. always more. And it's like, what a wonderful ideal to pursue, at least from where I'm sitting. It yeah. feels like just a wonderful feeling of you know, I'm I'm part of this what is a, uh, what is her name? Mary Oliver. Ah, yeah. Announcing your place in the great family of things. Yeah. If you can recognize your place in the family of things.
0: Ooh. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. That you have a place, that we all have a place, right? Um God is so curious. I, I think God mm-hmm. is incredibly curious. I mean, I think you kind of have to be to create humanity. Yeah. <laughs> like, like let me like, create these people with free will and see what they do.
1: Yeah. It's like they're like <laughs> it's like it's like I was like, I was like, oh, like in one of like the there's a roomy poem, and it says, "Um, God and I are two fat men in a boat, constantly bumping into each other, laughing, turning away back to our fishing poles, and forgetting the other is there
2: yeah.
1: and it's like i it. yeah. that really is it's just like i yeah. if I have like the will to just like see what's going on, it's like, Oh my God, God." Yeah. And that's how I kind of see it. Like I think it's curious and I think it's like a playful feeling.
0: Yes. Like I, I think so too. Yeah, I I think so too. And I think we dishonor God
2: hmm. when we
0: try to restrict people's spiritual path so Ooh. much that they can't actually feel that same curiosity. Hmm. Right? Like they yeah, And so much of it is what we do. We make people anxious about getting all the rules right, Right. as opposed to look at this world. There's a lot here to just be curious about and to wonder Mm -hmm. um, uh, about, right? Even about our ourselves, right? Yes,
2: even about our bodies.
1: Our bodies. Our bodies are like people don't like. I get freaked out in the best way. I'm just like. How do you, first of all, where am I in here? Yeah. Where are you in there? Like, are you in the gray matter? Are you in the, are you in the nerve endings? Are you in the breath? Are you, are you in the blood? Where are you? Yeah. And then secondly, why don't we, like it's, it's crazy to me that we can suck air in to our lungs which then as they expand, the blood fills in and sucks oxygen out of the air and then expels the rest of it. And it just knows how to do that. We, like, know how we
0: to... are freaking miracles. Like every element of us is miraculous. And the crazy thing is most of us don't even know
2: mm.
0: how our bodies function. Hello. Like We don't know what makes us feel good. We don't know what makes us feel bad because there is no cookie cutter, right? So to mm-hmm. like, is, well then is that part of the spiritual path? It's figuring out me
2: Mm. is part
0: of my spiritual path, right? There's what everybody tells me I must do, but that's not necessarily what feels good and right for me. So right. then who am I really? Right? I mean, I think that really is the heart of it. I mean, why else would God create us if not for uh, and give us free will, if not for us to say, yeah, so who is this person? Mm-hmm. Where am I in this, right? What mm-hmm. parts of me, what parts of this body are me? What parts are, what, yeah, those questions the the sheer intricacy of the human body. like I think about that too. I'm like processes of elimination that is wow to me. yeah
1: <laughs> or like how even in this instance how uh, we're like we're using air that's forced through vocal folds to create resonance. And then I'm manipulating it with my lips, my teeth and the tip of my tongue. And then that is going into this electrical box, which is then shooting through the internet to wherever, you know, across the city of Atlanta, you know, instantaneously. So technically we're in the same room and your ears are picking up the vibrations that are coming through as electrical signals into your headphones and then your brain at less then faster than light speed is translating into meaning. Right. And that what it's like, and it just does it. Right. It
2: just does it. It
0: just does it, <laughs> right? Like, to, yeah, so to dwell in that, and then the idea that we could take that intricacy and that say mm-hmm. that it is somehow sinful, hmm. innately sinful, innately bad, After it has been crafted with such meticulous, like even even for those of us who struggle with disabilities and Mm -hmm. chronic illness, there is so much that is happening in our bodies right Mm -hmm. on a day-to-day basis to keep us living. Woo. How how is that not the center of our, our, our spiritual and religious experience?
1: Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna pu- I'm gonna put the the period on that right there. Um, I always end all of my my talks with people asking the same five questions. Okay. So, Dr. Shaniqua Walker Bar- Barnes Walk- Walker Barnes Walker it's Barnes Walker Barnes. Yeah. Dr. Shaniqua Walker Barnes. Yeah. Are you ready to play just one thing five times? Okay. Yeah. Um, so it really is just questions about you. Okay. Just one thing. Can you tell me one thing you like about yourself? my laugh what's one thing in your life that you're proud of
0: my family mm. yeah
1: what's one thing in your life that really pisses you off my it
0: can be family
2: either... <laughs> <laughs> oh my god
1: that's it yeah <laughs> Y'all want to hear? You want to hear the voice of? You want to hear the voice of a saved woman? That's a, that's an honest woman right there. She told the dang truth. Oh, um, that's it. Yeah. Um, what's one thing that you're really dedicated to, or just regular dedicated to?
0: My health. Yeah, mm-hmm. my health and learning to love me. Mm-hmm. Learning to love me. Learning to. To really to thrive under the siege of white Christian nationalism. That yep yep.
1: Ooh, we're gonna start a support group, y'all. I'm just, <laughs> who, if you actually, if you're not a part of a local little thing, if you don't have community in your local group, I have visions in mind. I want to be able to like help facilitate like new spiritual communities all over the place and teach people how to do that. That's another conversation for another time. I love that. Um, what's one thing you want to do before you die?
0: I don't know that I have one.
1: No bucket list item, no trip? So,
0: no, I'm intentionally a non bucket list person. Cool. Because I'm too much of a perfectionist. If I do a bucket list, I am going to be too driven and too focused on getting the list on for the sake of getting the list on. So, I'm intentionally just like whatever I do is great. Mm. And whatever. So, yeah, I think the only thing I want to do before I die. It's just learn how to be present. Mm. Cause there's a lot of, there's a lot of wondrousness in my life on a day-to-day basis.
1: I accept that. (laughs) That's such, that's a good answer. (laughs) Also like, you're very inspiring to me as just, I feel like I I look at you and like, even though like this is our first time talking, like your work has taught me so much Mm -hmm. about being a person of faith. And like, just, you know, being able to see all the intersections um, of oppression early on in my coming out journey, it was really, really helpful for me. So I just want to say as an, you know, unbeknownst to you, I've been a student of yours for a while and I'm just so grateful for your work. And it's been such a wonderful, joyful time to sit down and talk with you. Um, Tell folks, if you don't mind, where to find you on the internet and also where they can pick up your new book.
0: Yeah, so the best place to find me is on my sub stack. That's com. You can also find me on Instagram. Um, still a little bit on Elon Musk Twitter. Uh- <laughs> <laughs>
1: I got off there. I finally kicked. I finally just posted. I said, I'm not over here anymore.
0: guys. I'm rarely over there. Um, so yeah, um, and but at DrShaniqua, but really is my Substack is the main way that I'm connecting with people these days. The book is available really anywhere books are sold. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Walmart, um, Target, um, mostly online. Um, Bookshop, which is a great way to support Mm -hmm. your local book dealer.
1: Yeah. And um, got any jokes? Got any benedictions? I'm just kidding.
0: Yeah, I've never been good at jokes. Neither have
1: I. I always... I'm just like, one of these days, someone's going to have a really, really good one, though. Um, thank you for your time. This was lovely. Yeah, thank you. And that was my conversation with Dr. Shaniqua Walker-Barnes. If you want to follow her, go to her website, which is drshaniqua.com. That's just drshaniqua.com. And follow her across the internet at drshaniqua. And uh, go pick up your book, Sacred Self-Care. It's a devotional. So for the girlies out there who, you know, miss having a daily thing to read and engage with, this is something for you. OK? OK, cool. Um, credits, as per usual, I want to say thank you to everybody who supports the podcast by joining The Crowded Table at patreon.com slash The Kevin Garcia. The Crowded Table is a cool online community space that I help curate alongside my incredible moderators on our Discord channel. And it's a safe place for you to connect with other people who listen to this podcast, who are on their spiritual journey and trying to find new stuff. And um, you get sweet swag uh, for being part of the club. So if you want to join me in supporting this podcast and the content I'm creating, you can go to, again, patreon.com slash Garcia to learn more. And... Yeah, I think that's it. Um, I'm opening up some spots for one-to-one coaching for this fall, uh, fall through winter. So if you're somebody out there who has been thinking, okay, I think I'm ready to start doing my inner work, but I don't wanna do it by myself and I really don't wanna do it in a group. I really just need some specialized attention. I need someone to guide me through this process. uh, It could be me. So go to thekevingarcia.com slash coaching, fill out an application, set up a call with me, and we'll talk soon. Um, and yes, there's payment plans available. We can make it work for you. So don't let money be the thing that gets in the way of you reaching out for the help that you need. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, as per usual, um, please go buy my first book, Bad Theology Kills at bathyologykills.com. The second book, What Makes You Bloom? Cultivating a Spiritual Practice for Connecting with Your Divine Self is going to be available on January 9th, 2024. Pre-orders are available now. Please go pre-buy it. It, re- it really helps my numbers. You can follow me across social media at TheKevinGarcia on Instagram and on TikTok, TheKevinGarcia underscore and at TheKevinGarcia.com. I think that's everything from me. I love you. Oh, and one more thing. If you love the show, uh, please leave us a rating in Spotify and Apple Music. It really does help us get our shit in the ears of more wonderful people. Okay, is that it? I think that's it. All right, Till next time, babe. Uh, take your meds, call your person, shake your ass a little bit, eat something delicious, and tell yourself that you love yourself, because you do. All right, I love you. Talk to you next week. Bye.